0: Hi there, welcome to the show. It's Thursday the 13th of July. Coming to you today from the beautiful July course here in Newmarket, the first day of Newmarket's July festival. At the moment the Uh, skies are a little mottled but it is pleasantly warm and dry and not significant rain in the forecast and there wasn't much overnight either so I think we will be starting on quickish ground with about eight millimeters of rain applied in the last 24 hours and during July week it's not just about the racing on this course it's about what is taking place all around the town and we'll be heading to the sales a little bit later on to catch up with a man who outbid two Australians for an exciting three-year-old yesterday a horse who could yet be bound for Triumph Herdland Melbourne and cup glory if everything goes to plan and guess where the horse is going yes you've guessed it to willie mullins talking to harold kirk the man who paid uh, for that horse yesterday we'll also be visiting the national stud in the third part of our series sam cunningham has been down to the national stud which adjoins the july course where i'm standing at the moment and of course we will be picking up on the very significant news that broke yesterday front page of the racing post this morning telling you that televised racing in ireland could be under serious threat direct to home televised racing could be under serious threat if the government follows through with its plans to ban daytime advertising on gambling comment on that later in the program from paul hensley the chief executive of this association of Irish racecourses. But first of all, the July Cup. And given that Little Big Bear, last year's champion two year old and runner up in the Commonwealth Cup, has been declared to run in the race and therefore will be ridden by Aidan O'Brien stable jockey Ryan Moore, that leaves a ride free on Shaquille, the brilliant winner of the Commonwealth Cup. Asheen Murphy can't ride, he's banned. James Doyle can't ride, he's down at Ascot. Ryan Moore was on standby, he's on Little Big Bear. So the ride has now gone to one of the men of the moment's Jewel Royal Ascot winning rider, Rossa Ryan. The owner of Shaquille is Martin Hughes. I began by asking him why Rossa had picked up the spare ride. Uh,
1: yeah, Rossa has uh, ridden for me before very well. And um, the truth on this matter. He's always liked to be loyal. He's been standing as reserve for um, the last couple of runs and uh, patient. So uh, with that now decided that uh, a little big bear is running and uh, Ryan's offer to um, ride Shakur obviously withdrawn. So uh, we go with Rosser and we'll stay with Rosser, whatever happens.
0: And moving on from from this, given that you know Sheen Murphy has commitments and James Doyle has commitments with Godolphin, are you are you looking for a, a you know a solid commitment from from one jockey now? Do you think
1: we can't do that? I mean, the the, the practicalities of uh, small yard, um, you basically always end up with getting the best best you can get. I think that's the the situation is something that will carry on that way. And we know is if if I'm lucky enough to have a horse that. Uh, can win at Group One level regularly, then uh, we're obviously going to be faced with the problems with uh, with Doyle and Moore and and even even Ocean. So, so I'm I'm happy with it. There's the there's there's a good level spread throughout the country.
0: Um, you, you sound very phlegmatic. Is there is there something quite liberating about knowing that you've got a horse who's already won a Group One race, and everything else now is just a, a glorious glorious bonus on top.
1: No, that wouldn't be the case. I think the answer that was a surprise on the first situation. Um, I must be honest, I'm I'm, I'm, I'm not a comfortable favourite as a person, so uh, yeah, we'll see what happens. He's, as, uh, as Steve Brown has reported, the horse seems to have uh, strengthened, looks good. Um, what well, is always a competitive race, so uh, I think so it's about nine declared, or I think nine or ten. So uh, it's going to be uh, competitive, always is, and uh, I, and I go there we are happy to be in the frame but obviously the extra pleasure would be if it does happen to win which would be should be lovely
0: um, you've had some some lovely horses some wonderful horses some great stories as well associated with your colors and your ownership uh, just give me an idea and, and put into context what sort of a, a thrill the journey with Shaquille has been so far
1: yeah it's a patient one um as you see, with nothing nothing at, at uh, two. Um, um, bread which is pleasing, and that that that's uh, <laughs> it's an amusing story in itself. And a it's sort of an unraced Galileo filly, uh, bought by I've bought from a good friend, Mr. Shanahan, and and uh, transferred to uh, Gossie's yard. Who he pronounced it as useless. So uh, <laughs> it's, it's an unraced one, and it's just the third the third foal, uh, which is Shaquille, has turned out to be above average. The, to be fair to say, the first two were considerably below average.
0: Um- i was going to say now obviously you clearly do enjoy being at being a breeder but is it something when you entered race or ownership that you always fancy doing
1: absolutely not that came about i've got just the the, the two brood bears that came out of the Galileo low fillies uh, which are up with uh Morris looks after those Morris camacho and then um i had a pretty good sort of black type um whore one with uh, with hannon called separate that's uh that's now in fold to, oh, from memory, possibly Cable Bay. So there's just the three of them. It, it was true necessity. I mean, I, rather than sort of give away the, uh, the folly of the uh, the Coolmore purchase that so we've chosen to try and use it and capitalize on the Galileo line.
0: I, I, I'm intrigued to, to know how you responded to the goodwill towards Shaquille uh, at Asker, and because the Camacho yard is a smaller yard and does not have the firepower of some of the trainers that you normally use, what that meant to you personally.
1: No, it's terrific. I mean, you, you can see it. First, the first thing I did was give a man a hug to Ocean. <laughs> that was, I mean, because of what he managed to do. Because at the, at the beginning of the race, the, 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 the journey and the hope was over I mean, by, by all appearances. But obviously it obviously turned out not, not to be the case. And um, you yeah, know, the connection with with Julie and Steve was built via uh, Matthew, the brother, who you know I knew and get on well with. And it was his idea to sort of plan this sort of. Um, sort of covers and such like from pick pick charm spirit when well, no one else would do so and that's the you know that's the joy we go up there regularly and uh yeah you know, it's, it's a you know, we see that the, the um actually magic is actually the one coming through now is a very strong looking cult by cable bay and that that, look, that looks good as well so far so good
0: so in, in some respects clearly everybody you know involved at this level has to invest and invest significantly but it's a bit of a money can't buy story isn't it
1: you couldn't <laughs> you can't make it up and that's the point money can't buy it and that's the uh, you know, it's, it's expensive as everybody knows you're probably listening to your, to your podcast it's an expensive sport to be involved with so when one comes up with some luck as we have done there that uh, helps that helps a lot
0: uh, Martin I know you've got other runners over the over the weekend are you are you expecting a glut of winners?
1: Not really I mean I'm, I'm surprised that the uh, the uh, six furlong. At Newmarket today, they're making Dark Thirty such an outsider. I, I I don't see that that way. I think it's a seven furlong horse in a six furlong handicap, and Sean rides it to the four, which would suggest that, you know, I think it should be involved. Um, You know, let's see. But that's that's. I'm surprised that it's been priced as high as thirties. And um, you know, with rating, when you're in a maiden, you don't know what you're going to go against. So we'll just wait and see on that. So actually a quiet weekend. Um, <laughs> and then we've got a nice one going up at Chester, I think. And, yeah, Winter Crown's going to run again. So, that's uh, no, it's a it's, it's the, yeah, it's, it's sort of the key, the key yards for me are uh, Hannon and Camacho who have, uh, have the most of these uh, runners. Well, and to, be fair, to be fair to Richard, he's delivered a good win rate as well. And obviously Julie's had a great win rate, but Richard's done a good win rate as well.
0: Well, you might be turning the volume up by Saturday afternoon. I wish you all the best with with Shaquille, Martin. Thanks so much for talking to me. It's a pleasure. All right, that was owner Martin Hughes explaining the decision to use Ross O'Ryan on Shaquille, who will be a popular winner, Lee, of the July Cup, for which a small field of nine have been declared, including, to a lot of people's surprise, a little Big Bear, but minus Lazou and and Meditate. So I don't think Rafe Beckett has had his way as regards running two in the race. And uh, Aidan O'Brien has has, has bowled us a little bit of a googly with Little Big Bear.
2: Yes, he has. He has. I mean, I I was expecting to see uh, the name of Ryan next to Shaquille, but I was expecting to see the name of Ryan Moore next to Shaquille, if I'm honest, Nick, because I wasn't expecting Little Big Bear to be in the race. Aidan had said earlier in the week it was probably 50 50 that there had been issues with the horse, and he was concerned about bringing the horse to. The race when the horse perhaps wouldn't be at his very peak. Now, I don't imagine that Aidan or the Coolmore owners would be running the horse in a race like the July Cup if they didn't believe he could produce a top notch performance because he is clearly a valuable asset to Coolmore in the long term as a stallion. And every high profile defeat, presumably, impacts on his value. So I think we can expect him hopefully to run his race in what is an unusually small field for the July Cup. Um, I would be more enthusiastic, Nick, than Jane was on the pod yesterday about the race. I enjoyed (laughs) your banter.
0: It'd be be hard to be less enthusiastic, wouldn't it? uh, I
2: I enjoyed your banter on that one. Having said that, Nick, I would be lying if I said that i will be driving to Newmarket on Saturday thinking that we're about to see a vintage running of the july cup i think what you can say if you're being positive is that all the the majority of the winners of the right races are in the july cup it's just that they don't appear to be vintage winners of those races Um, i think there'll be a lot of hope that either shaquille or little big bear win um, because they are the horses with the brightest futures one would imagine. Shaquille clearly has the best story. I guess you could say that Azure Blue, as a progressive four-year-old filly, also has the potential to be a lot better than we've seen before. So not a certain vintage July Cup on paper, um, but a very interesting race nonetheless.
0: For sure. Um, And one that we'll be able to see uh, anywhere we like really on ITV or or racing TV. And that Situation is going to be a significant worry for viewers in Ireland moving forward. If today's front page of the Racing Post is anything to go by, Lee, just explain the situation in Ireland as regards the potential threat of withdrawal of the key racing television outlets and why.
2: Well, first to say, Nick, is that this is a genuinely serious situation. There is legislation going through the Irish Parliament, uh, the gambling regulation. Bill. Now we already clearly knew that this was going um through Parliament, and we knew that one of the um key things in this legislation for horse racing was that there would be a new um gambling advertising ban that would be in effect from 5 30 a.m. to nine p.m. every day. Now clearly that would impact horse racing hugely. Um, The expectation, I think, was that by this stage in its passage through Parliament, it would have been made clear through some sort of amendment to the legislation that there would be exemptions, and exemptions in particular for those channels that broadcast horse racing. That has not happened to this point, and as a result of that, both the, uh, the leaders of Sky Sports Racing and Racing TV were, have spoken. They spoke yesterday and they have both made clear that if this legislation is not amended, it threatens the very future of their coverage of horse racing
0: in Ireland. Uh, and that may well be the most potent argument to be put forward to the, to the Irish Parliament. I've been speaking to Paul Henze, who's now the chief executive of the Association of Irish Racecourses, and I've asked him what is the concerted message from Irish racing to uh, parliamentarians in order to uh, make sure that this legislation does not stretch to uh, gambling advertising within horse racing programs? This is what he had to say. <laughs>
3: Well, it's something I know that there has been quite a bit of interaction with with politicians, and, and there have been uh, submissions and, and lobbying um, to to the committee that, that's responsible for the the um, gambling bill. And um, you know, to, to, to put our case across, I think you know what what we're saying is that essentially the racing channels are. Behind a paywall, certainly racing TV is in that that you have to subscribe to to, to, to get it here. as uh, Sky Sports, where it is available on, on a standard Sky Pack package, but again, you know, there, there, there may be ways to, um, you know, to do just to limit how that can, can be viewed, you know, albeit by pin numbers or whatever else. So they're the sort of things that, that we're talking about. Basically, what we're saying is, look, if people go into to, to watch a racing channel that, you know, they've made the decision to watch racing, which you know, inevitably does come with gambling. You get betting shows before a race and after a race and what have you. So, you know, I, I don't really see the objective of um, of putting in a ban on on bookmark your advertising, um, you know, and all of the research is, is, is pointing that they're not the mm. triggers that you know um, that that cause problem gambling. Uh, we've been looking at how other jurisdictions have worked on this, and and um, there has recently been uh, something similar introduced in in Australia, and in Australia they're they're um, they're they've ring-fenced the, uh, the racing channels. And, you know, with the un- only understanding that people that go in there are going in there to, to, to look at racing and, and, and are, are um, you know, accepted that that, that there is betting on that. So um, they're the things that we're trying to, to say to government. The other thing, you know, we're trying to say to the government as well is that, you know, we don't want to, um, to, to see all this, you know, pushed underground. You know, you, you look at other jurisdictions around the world, you know, um, you know, where, where betting has has gone to, to black markets and, you know, advertising has gone to black markets and, you know, at the end yeah. of the day, the government doesn't get any revenue if that sort of thing starts to happen. Um, you know, I know Hong Kong have, have had an issue with... with um, betting being channeled to Macau and places like that and, and you know, black markets. And, you know, they're, they're things that that, um, that were, we think, you know, would be likely to happen should, you know, if, if we found difficulty you um, know, showing those channels in Ireland.
0: Um, Paul, there's, uh, there's another question that intrigued me, which is that you, you can quite easily access ITV, for example, in, in Ireland and commercial British-based channels um what what happens then i mean uh, how how do how do non-irish based transmitters start um start screening their own advertisement breaks i'm not i'm not really quite quite sure how that how that works in practicality
3: Uh, well look it that would be about my pay grade as well nick but um, I do, I do take your point, and I think that's the that's the contradiction here. That, you know, with you know with internet, with you know overseas channels, um, you know ITV, whatever what you, um, you know, people can access um, all of these things in different ways. If, if they want to see racing and they want to bet in racing and they're interested in racing, you know, they can access them. So, I, I, you know, I don't really think um, putting a blanket ban. Um, you know, you know, through the day on on, um, on the racing channels, is really going to achieve anything.
0: Here's a here's a more philosophical question, Paul. Is it is it possible that that our house is built on sand? Slightly. I, I mean, this isn't an anti-bookmaker view particularly, but if all of our television coverage, both in Britain and Ireland, both terrestrial and digital is is predicated on advertising revenue from bookmakers are we not always in danger of a government of whatever persuasion in whatever country saying no i don't like that and then suddenly the whole business model is destabilized have we as a sport in both countries got to think beyond this as the quickest win as the low-hanging fruit as just the easiest way of financing our television output and as I say I'm not coming at this from a, an anti-bookmaker standpoint simply as a sustainable business standpoint yeah, well, I think from from
3: a, you know I, I do take a point and I think from a from a bookmaker's point of view obviously it's it's a very um, attractive medium for, to, to, to advertise on nice. um, but you know there is the, there is the, it is the, the low-hanging fruit and it is easy it is easy money for, for the racing channels but um, you know the, and the, the, but there are other advertisements on the racing channels as well and um, not just, just bookmakers and you know but I do think you know that, that, that it is um, you know it, it is uh, the the right environment for, for, for bookmakers to advertise on, 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 on it, and it, it makes sense for the racing channels as well um but you know i do take a point that, that 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 um you know we are vulnerable in that regard you know if the same thing happened in the uk or um, elsewhere you know we, we could have could have similar problems
0: uh, paul hensey there chief executive of the association of irish race courses lee Motter said uh, what did you make of some of the uh, of some of the comments that paul made there
2: Well, first of all, Nick, I think your final question regarding the more general picture of um, the broadcasting of horse racing and its reliance on bookmakers was absolutely on the money. Um, We know that we've seen this over here prior to the signing of the most recent ITV deal and with our own gambling white paper currently going through Parliament, there was significant concern that there would be a gambling advertising ban in place over here, that that would be part of our legislation that we're seeing in the United Kingdom. Now, that's not the case, but I think you would have to be a naive optimist of the greatest proportions to believe that had there been that sort of legislation or had that been written into the legislation, that ITV would have continued their coverage of horse racing as it is now. Everything changed in terms of the, the coverage of horse racing in this country when legislation was changed to permit bookmaker advertising. It's a factor in why you no longer see television coverage of horse racing on the BBC, because the BBC can't compete with those commercial channels, such as initially Channel 4 and then ITV, who can garner significant revenue from bookmaker advertising so i think your question was absolutely correct nick in terms of the specifics of this piece of of legislation and how it might impact irish horse racing um, people um are right to be very concerned there is still the chance that this could be amended there is uh, the chance of amendments from, a, from the most recent committee stage, from the report stage, and then it will go to the, the Irish Parliament's upper house, where again, there is the potential for amendments to, to be made. However, this is not the sort of thing that is going to be rectified or saved by a discreet phone call from John Magna, to the Irish government. I think sometimes we have the perception that there are certain individuals within Irish Racing and Bloodstock who have that sort of influence. That is absolutely not the case here and the reason why for that is that however toxic we believe gambling and bookmakers have become in the United Kingdom, I think that is multiplied in Ireland. I think every, um, every TD in Ireland will have constituents who have reported to them problems relating to to gambling addiction. I think the Irish culture has been really impacted by bookmakers being seen to push the boundaries in terms of their promotion and advertising. And there have been a series of stories of bookmakers receiving fines from regulators. So I think even more so than over here, gambling has become a toxic subject in Ireland and for that reason I think it will be hard for parliamentarians to be seen to rail against this legislation too heavily even though a lot of them will realise as we realise that the logic behind this sort of ban particularly in relation to horse racing is, is just not there. And we know the damage it would do on so many levels, including to, to, to race courses. All race courses have written to their TDs over there. They know that they're going to be on uh, turnover-based media rights deals. If people can't see the action, they're not likely to bet on the action. You made the point, Nick, about what happens with ITV's coverage going into Ireland, what happens with RTE's coverage, RTE, the national broadcaster in Ireland that broadcasts all the big days in Irish racing. Historically, their coverage has been supported by bookmaker advertising and sponsorship. How will that be impacted going forward? And I think going forward, Nick, if, if this legislation does come in, there is the potential for an utterly perverse situation whereby Racing TV, which has the contract to produce direct-to-home coverage of of Irish racing until 2029, will be producing coverage of Irish racing on a daily basis that can be seen all across Great Britain, but can't be seen within Ireland. I'll be able to watch racing from Galway in my home in Ashstead, but people in Galway won't see that coverage because of this legislation. Racing TV would say that's primarily because, again, financially, bookmaker advertising is needed and that's certainly the case again with sky sports racing but also it's hugely complicated to try and produce coverage that is different in the two jurisdictions in effect racing tv and sky would both have to racing tv in this case particularly with with irish racing i suppose would have to produce a completely different program in ireland to the one that's produced in britain so for both channels this is really serious it's really serious in a wider sense and I don't think we should underplay the fact that we're getting close to the point where this is actually going to happen.
0: Well, the July sale is very much part of July week. It takes place at Tattersall's. You heard yesterday uh, from Mick Donahue, who was buying a lot of the mares in foal. Yesterday was uh, the horses in training section and the top lot was Ethical Diamond, a horse uh, who'd only had a couple of runs uh, on the flat and cost 310,000 guineas, knocked down to Harold Kirk, who, with one deadly bid, managed to uh, outrun two competing uh, Australians. And I asked him, first of all, to tell me a little bit more about his acquisition.
4: Uh, he was a horse that won, won the other day uh, in Ireland, and he looks ready-made for it to be a dual-purpose horse. He's really mm-hmm. 88 after the three runs, one over a mile and a half the other day. a Gorgeous-looking horse. Didn't think we'd have to give that kind of money for him, but it had to beat Australia, two Australians against each other. And uh, we would rather go to Australia with a horse rather than Australia taking the horses away from us. So uh, hopefully it'd be a dual-purpose horse. Um, be a stand flat horse one day, hopefully.
0: How, re- wh- what's the pedigree like?
4: <coughs> He's by, uh, <coughs> I'd add, uh, i have a German pedigree. It's a German pedigree, mm. good stay. In German Germany. You like pedigrees. those, don't you? I love German And you've had a lot of, of luck with them. Yeah, Germans, they stay, they improve every year. They get better every year, which they do in Germany, all them pedigrees. And uh, he looks a very solid horse And he'll go jumping first Okay, so he'll, he'll jump first So he'll, he'll yeah, be he'll, Triumph hurdle route first Well, we'll see We'll see how he comes along Because uh, We might even run him In real graded juveniles mm. And if
0: he doesn't win one lane we will keep him a novice For the following year Fine and, but, it's that, but it's the sort of it. Is this the next Voban Is what people well, are going that, to be that's asking
4: what, That's what we're looking that's, the that, that's the idea That's the idea That's what we're looking for We're looking for good staying horses
0: and, and it, you, you said, mentioned The Australians How much is the Melbourne Cup As a race Informing what You and Willie Are doing at these sales
4: Well Willie's been Second, third and fifth And that's uh, one of his Big aims to try and win The
0: Melbourne Cup If he has an itch to scratch Is this the major Is this the, preo- is this the itch That's on, preoccupying him
4: On the flat that's, that's what he wants to do He wants to win The Melbourne Cup You can see why though Can't yeah, you And I it's mean. a huge Praise money too But uh, it's a fantastic show. Uh, I've never been there, but mm. they say it's an absolutely fantastic show.
0: Are you going to go this year? Uh, I might go. With Come Vanagos. on, you've got to
4: go. I'll go with Valvano. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So hopefully he'll go. I bought Max Dynamite, and he he was second, and he was just beaten, and uh, that would that would have been a great day. But uh, it's, it's on Willie's bucket list tonight to try and win the Melbourne Cup. Yeah so you've given what three what twenty three. Three twenty. No, i didn't think he'd make that kind of money i thought he'd make north of 200 yeah. mm-hmm. but australia where i only bid once and there was the winning bid but uh, but it was australia against australia that made the price of ours
0: okay now you've done it now you've got the horse yeah. so you've got two australians there going at it hammer yeah. and tongs and you believe you've got two genuine australian bidders two genuine there, australian australian. right so yeah. you're thinking okay this is going and going and going when how do you how do you judge when to put your killer bid in? Well, I thought I thought they were kind of finished,
4: and I, and I took a bit of a count of ten before you hit the front too soon. What well, what, so what made you think that? I I just thought they were finished, and uh, I wanted to bid last, and I just lucky enough the last bid was. Uh, you know you can't see on people's minds, but. It uh, lucky enough it came our way, so I hope he's very lucky.
0: So is it main Is it a bit of instinct? Involved?
4: A little bit, of, it's the same as riding. Same as riding. Ruby White always said there's only one winning post. Okay. So, and uh,
0: this time it worked out. That must f- that must feel quite good, mustn't it? When when you just wow. do the one, when you just do the one Bit and the hammer comes down.
4: It's only good if the horse turns out good this is true this yeah. is true but
0: going to a decent going to a decent um, hotel as you guys like yeah. to say now well he, he's very
4: good at making those stand flat horses I, I can't remember how many winners he has in Royal Ascot he nearly has a win in Royal Ascot every second year nearly every year and um, that's our main aim is to triumph and there's huge money in the stand. this isn't it mm. you, you know the Irish Cesaro which is worth a lot of money and there's huge prize money in those types of horses
0: do we, have a, do we have an owner for the horse or are you not allowed it's to tell an me? There's an existing owner in the yard. Okay. And uh, Willie's
4: horses are very fit, you know what I mean? And we think when they go jumping for a while and come back, they're better flat horses. They're given that time to mature, they get strong mentally. And uh, we think they're better flat horses, no stem
0: Isn't it interesting because back in the day, there used to be a theory, didn't there, you know, that if you sent a good flat horse jumping, you would blunt them in some way or that they weren't, you know, you, you'd take a bit of pace out of them. That... We've Certainly doesn't look the case with a horse like Vauban. We think it makes him stronger.
4: Mm. We honestly think it makes him stronger, mentally and physically, uh, and fitter. You can give them more work, you know what I mean, Nicky? And Willie's very, very good at that. He's brilliant at that, you know what I mean? He's, uh, he would just beat a short head and ask a Gold cool cup, it's similar. Mm. And that would be another tick, he wants to win that as well, so... Hopefully this horse can do Hopefully it can go on And, and be a good step.
0: Okay one last question On that particular point then Because I know we've gone Into all sorts of tangents here But If you When you look back At Royal Ascot now How close do you think Vauban would have gone To winning the Gold Cup If they'd put him in there
4: That's impossible to say Because Vauban won Over a mile and six The Gold Cup is Is, is, is You know Two and a half mile uh, It's completely different And But we think he, We think he stays You know what I mean it's a, it's, a, it's a question You can't answer Mm. We're happy enough to win the, win the race, he one,
0: <laughs> but he could be going back there to win it next. Well,
4: it, well, let's say he has to. He has to run in a group race first, mm. and then hopefully all guns will lead to Melbourne. And he's going to the Lonsdale, isn't he? He's going to one of those group races. Yeah. I'm not sure. Well, he's made up his mind to where he's going, but he has to run in a group race before he can go to Melbourne. Yeah, I think he's going to be high enough rated at this minute to get into Melbourne, which is a plus, and um,
0: that'll be exciting. You've not seen the last of the Australians this year. I fancy. Thanks for the chat. No problem. Thank you. All right, that was Harold Kirk. Uh, Some fireworks at the sales yesterday. Fancy that! One bid getting the better of two Aussies um, at at the sales. I mean, they they mean business.
2: They do mean business. Yeah, Ethical Diamond, Um, the horse who won a Limerick Maiden impressively uh, in late June, looks an exciting prospect, and is now is a valuable, exciting prospect. And as you say, Nick. The, the Mullins team do mean business. I've been speaking to William himself myself quite a bit in the last couple of weeks about uh, Vorban and the Melbourne Cup for, for, for a piece relating to that. And there's no doubt he's incredibly hungry to win that race. Vorban, his favourite for the Melbourne Cup, has to pass the ballot clause. But I don't think he'll be... The first horse we see coming from from that operation to try and target the race in the coming years, is Harold said, Willie has knocked on the door repeatedly in the Melbourne Cup. I think you describe it as an itch he wants to scratch and I'd be pretty confident he will scratch it successfully in the coming years and perhaps Ethical Diamond will be one of those going out there.
0: Yeah, well, best of luck to Harold and Willie Mullins and the as yet unnamed purchaser of Ethical Diamond, the top lot from yesterday's July sale. As I said, the National Stud is a key part of uh, the racing life in Newmarket. It adjoins where I'm standing now, Newmarket's beautiful July course. And Sam Cunningham, who came to the podcast from the Racing Media Academy, has been at the National Stud. And this is the third part of uh, her series uh, taking a look at some of the many services this national institution can offer.
5: Here today at the Sunny National Stud joined by Joe Bradley head of Bloodstock rest and recuperation are a significant part of equine welfare here at the National Stud your spelling yard and team are entrusted with the important requirements of individuals including providing cage, nursery or small paddock turnout. What are the main reasons horses come for spelling? Is it injury, rest, mental wellbeing?
6: I think the the horses that we have here spelling um, throughout the year come for a variety of reasons. Uh, We can cater to horses that have specific injuries, uh, and we've done that in the past to great success. Um, But really, I suppose the main part of it is that uh, horses, especially here in Newmarket, don't have that many options to be turned out, to enjoy grass, to get the sun on their backs, and and we can do that here. And we do that in a variety of ways. We've got sort of special turnout cages where... uh, Although the, rest- the movement is restricted, um, they've got the great benefits of, of the grass uh, and a sort of a specific diet. Um, but in terms of their mental well-being, it's a very peaceful, relaxing place for horses to come to essentially have their holiday away from the, the, the hustle and bustle of a racing yard. Um, we find that the horses thrive in this environment and they go back into their work in a very um, good mental uh, space to then progress with their work.
5: And the horse itself is a a herd animal. Do you, for instance, turn out the fillies in groups or are they individually approached?
6: It's a variety, really. We offer a group turnout where um, the horses are with, in, In many times, just a number of horses from the same stable will be put out together. Um, or its individual turnout. It really depends on what that horse needs and its requirements and we're quite flexible into what we can offer.
5: What can you offer in terms of tailoring those programmes to the specific horse and their needs? How how extensive is that range of facilities?
6: I think it's uh, the communication between us, uh, the stud staff here, the stud manager, and the trainers is really important because there we get really get an insight to what that horse requires, what it's been doing in the past. Um, we really just focus on plenty of turnout. Uh, that's the greatest benefit for the horse, uh, and that's what we focus on. But we of course get horses with injuries that we sort of um, we work with the vets and fires that are that are used by that stable to um, to get the best outcome. Um, but really, it is that turnout. Um, that great grass that we have here at the National Stud.
5: And who's using the spelling facilities
6: here? Uh, we have a broad range of, of clients that, that use the spelling facilities, Roger Varian, George Bowie, uh, Conrad Allen, Gay Kellaway, um, so a variety of really top trainers in Newmarket see the benefits of having their horses uh, here at the National Stud to enjoy the turnout. Um, I suppose the spelling as well ties into some, it ties into all areas of the business where horses of you know all ages be it yearlings or mares that need really specific um, turnout requirements or diet and, and we sort of incorporate that into the spelling facilities as well uh, it's an area that we're really looking to expand we can see the benefits from it uh, it's a very enjoyable rewarding process because uh, the rewards and the, the stud side of things it, it can be a more long term you have to wait three or four years before you actually see your produce running um, whereas with the spelling, we become involved in that process uh, and it's very satisfying then to see horses go out in the next sort of two to three months that you've had on the stud and that, you, that have been spelling here to then go on and win on, on the track.
5: We're talking about horses in different stages of their racing career. Do you have horses that are from a young age all the way through in the spelling facilities?
6: Yeah, it's a variety. Like we'll have horses, uh, yearlings that sort of need sort of a bit of restricted turnout. We'll have horses coming back from the breeze up that sort of want a uh, a bit of time to sort of let down after what is a sort of intense few months. Uh, race horses, uh, both codes, national hunt, flat of all ages, um, mares, geldings, colts. It's it's really everything. Uh, it's such a simple routine, but there's such great benefits that um, you can have across all, all age groups.
0: Well, always lovely to be here at the July Festival, a a unique atmosphere, a beautiful um place to to be and to to spend an afternoon and the race course always looking to develop and expand and offer new customer experiences and this year sees the opening of the Rose Terrace today soft launch today Damien Adams is with me the executive chef who you've heard from before on the podcast Uh, and Damien in a moment I'll be uh, I'll be sampling some of your your extremely um, attractive produce just tell us tell us a little bit about the opening first of all um, so so yeah so we're very excited about the opening um, yeah and, and, and the food um, to go with it just to pair with the, the wines um, yeah just a, just a great experience so this is really it looks more of a more of a wine bar experience than a, than a full-blown restaurant experience yeah totally yeah so the, the menu has been developed so it's quite a slow grazing experience that goes throughout the day you start with your breads nuts olives and you go into either a, a charcuterie um, and smoked meats or you can go for the seafood platter with whole crab or local uh, chroma crab um smoked mackerel prawns both come with a, a selection of salads so yeah it's, it's it's a good portion but it's a good grazing portion to go really well with the wines throughout the day well, funnily funnily enough i mean it'll surprise everyone who regularly listens to this podcast but lo and behold there's neil phillips <laughs> the wine tipster fancy that well there's, morning, there's food available there's it's wine to be opened. How are you, Neil? I'm great, thanks, Nick. I really like it here. I came up the other week. We
7: just did a few covers in here. And you've got a fantastic view of the July course as well from yeah. here. We're on the, on the second floor here. We've also got downstairs as well, just to mention one. Nick just having a great time going to that seafood platter. Mm. We, we've also got the champagne bar downstairs as well. So that's a walk-in. Mm-hmm. This is a pre-book. And we're doing really well with the pre-bookings. And it's going to be a very, very popular feature. And Lady Cecil is here today to officially open the Rose a terrace experience at twelve forty-five, so it's going to be great.
0: How are you doing? <laughs> nice. I'm tasting a bit of the, the crab. The chroma crab is delicious. Um, a few prawns, potato salad with a sort of dill dressing. Very nice. What have you got for me?
7: Well, I've got you some winds chardonnay from Australia, Southeast Australia. And before that, we've got some bubbles from Do so, you,
0: know, you know where I was last weekend? Go for it. I was in Epinay, learning all about champagne.
7: Well, Come on, tell us what's going. Now on. I now I know a bit
0: more than I <laughs> now that I know a bit more than I did. I bet you loved it, didn't you? <laughs> Well, I've drunk that much of it during my life. <laughs> I thought it would be a good idea to actually learn how it's made. So, yeah, there's nothing you can't tell me about riddling and disgorging. Well, you've
7: got it all now. Mm. Nick Luck, champagne expert here. Yeah, it was, it was great. Yeah, no, I uh, did, did
0: the whole Verve Clico tour. It was brilliant oh, fun. Fantastic. Down in
7: the cellars there. Mm. Loved
0: it, yeah. The great thing is they give you all this champagne to taste down in the cellars, and then they take you to the gift shop. <laughs> <Nice>. <laughs>
7: Did you just say, can I have some more champagne?
0: I yeah. those <laughs> <laughs> uh, 70
7: euros for a tote bag.
0: Branded. Uh, yes, that seems very good value. Did yeah. you have a Mac? <laughs> I bet you loved it, though. Did you have a drop of rose? I did. It was great fun. It was lovely to get away for a weekend as well. Um, that is very nice. That's the Night in Rose. Eh? Down from Hampshire, Sussex
7: and Kent. Sherry Spriggs doing a great job. Perfect to be up here, though great with the seafood platter there and Damien it's all it's going to be really really popular this whole feature isn't it
0: yeah totally yeah yeah absolutely I think it's a it's a great offer great great the the view is just breathtaking um yeah I wish I could spend my day here too now we've got a, 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 a wine, New World Chardonnay. Yeah, now, and I thought... you Go on, try and
7: sell me a New World wine. Yeah, but yeah, well, I thought I'd do that here. And uh, we've got a great view. Come on. So, champagne expert. But what Wynn, I know you like Chardonnay, Nick. I know you like it from Burgundy. So I thought we'd go off to the southeast of Australia here and actually have a very refreshing wind's Chardonnay 2021 from Kunawara Estate down in southeast Australia there. I'm getting a sort of
0: burnt rubber kind of nose to this.
7: I'm getting a lot of nice citrus
0: fruit. Actually, I have to say, <laughs> is
7: that because you're just uh, though this is new world or what? Go on, go on, have a taste. Come on. But actually, what you've got here, you've got the citrus fruit. It's it's not oaked. It's not heavily oaked or anything like that. This is actually very easy drinking, refreshing. I
0: probably should have drunk this first, shouldn't I? I should have done the other order. But hey,
7: that's that's just shows the importance of actually getting the order right here. Do, do you like that? I do. Of course, I do. Yeah.
0: <laughs> it's wine. <laughs> um. So. So I'm food. enjoying my breakfast as well. <laughs> yeah, yeah. We Fish are. for breakfast? Don't mind if I do. <laughs>
7: here we are at about 10.20 or whatever it is. But Nick's going to go back to the rosé. I like that wind state Chardonnay. We've got a selection here of Champagne's Moet Verve Clico, which you know all about. They're here as well on the Rose a Terrace. Bit. And also we've got a good selection of still wines as well.
0: Seafood platter, glass of rosé on the Rose Terrace. Don't mind if I do. All right, well, now I'm suitably uh, refreshed. Uh, I, can, uh, I can enjoy it. Uh, some betting advice from uh, Lee Mottershead, which is still allowed on on this program. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yes, although with with me, Nick, it's probably not to be encouraged. However, uh, I am looking at Newmarket first day of the July Festival. Uh, Clearly, not the Prince of Wales, is saying It's got a red odds-on favourite. In ad ar uh, I'm going 35 minutes earlier to a bookmaker sponsored handicap. They're at 365 handicap over six phones, 100 grander. Uh, and I'm going to take a risk on the horse at a big price. Nick Dark30 has disappointed on his most recent couple of starts, albeit they've been in a uh, very high level handicap company. However, two th- three starts ago he was really impressive when going from the front over seven furlongs at New York he's dropping down to six furlongs here I think that could well suit him and each way at about 33 to one I think he was, he's of interest in the three o'clock at Newmarket so well, fun, dark 30 fancy for that.
0: Um, ending the show as we began it with a, a good shout for dark 30 as we got from owner Martin Hughes earlier on so watch the price tumble um, and Lee thank you very much thank you very much for listening thanks to all my guests today uh, we will be back to do it all over again tomorrow from the beautiful July course for the moment. That was Thursday, the 13th of July. See you again next time. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitstairs, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.